Welcome to Audio Downcast 224, our 15-year anniversary. You're listening to the Audio Nowcast, sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. Now from the Nowcast Network Studios, here's Mike. Hey, welcome to Audio Nowcast. My name is Mike Rodriguez, and before we get going, <laughs> let me introduce the gang. And let me tell you, we have quite a panel today. 16 people that have been associated with the Audio Nowcast through these past 15 years in one way or the other, and it's great to have everybody here. So I'm just going to start right next to me with Mr. Ken Kane. Ken, welcome. Followed by Mr. Mitchie Aggressor, Mitchie. Followed by Christy McConville, Christy. Hey. Followed by Mr. Larry Dropa. Hey, Mike. Next, we have Scott Gershon. Hey, Mike. <laughs> Brandon Birdside. Hey, Mike. Hello, everybody. We have Bobby Osinski. Hello, Mike. Hey, everybody. We have Mr. Dale Fabregar. We have, <laughs> we have Mr. Greg Ondo. Hi, good to see you. We have Mr. Nick Peck. Hello, Mike, and happy 15th anniversary, everybody. That's just a little loud. You can isotope that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Mark Rubel. Greetings, everybody. And we have Jordan Reynolds. Hi, Mike. How's it going? <laughs> then followed by Brett Johns. Happy 15. <laughs> and then we have David Sonnenshine. Hey, good to be here. And finally, we have the Iron Man of the Audio Nowcasts. <laughs> I've never missed an episode in 15 years, 224 episodes, Mr. Rob Arbiter. Hey, Mike. Hey, everybody. <laughs> That's great. Guys, this is amazing. Amazing. 15 years. It's it's so incredible. And uh, just to have everybody on. And we're going to see if we could do 16 uh, panel members at a time. But uh, I think we're going to be able to do so it. We're all teenagers at this point. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine 15 years? I had no idea. Let me give everybody a brief a brief synopsis of how the Audio Nowcast started. Um, the Audio Nowcast started actually at the NAMM show because we used to go out to dinner with Larry, Mr. Larry Dropa, and uh, Rob would be there and Scott would show up and, and people would come in and out. And it was every Sunday night after, after the NAMM weekend, we'd kind of get together, we'd all have dinner. And you remember those dinners, Larry? Well, actually, we still have them, <laughs> but the, the early ones. I'm paying for them, Mike. <laughs> I missed the last one though, Larry. <laughs> yeah, Larry did pick up the he did pick up he paid for all of those. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so Larry uh yeah, so of course Larry would remember those, but but um so we had these great discussions and it was really fun. And uh, at that time I was working in Burbank and, uh, and I was opening up, I opened up an API showroom. I was thinking I could be able to do, you know, two full-time jobs. And uh, <laughs> I was thinking, what's a good way to kind of um, get some advertising? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast and I'm going to do 
four episodes and we'll see how it goes. So we started in April of 2006. We did our first show and I've played it for you before. Uh, you can go look at last year with our little montage that we did. Um, and it was bad. It was, it was okay. But there was just, you know, we had a lot of learning pains um, and growing pains. Um, but we started and it just kind of, kind of, caught hold and um, Larry and API graciously signed on as uh, as sponsors uh, to the podcast and so he was guest number one on show number two remember that show Larry yeah I sure do it was fun <laughs> Larry uh, has the voice of God because if you listen to that show like he sounds like he should be doing voiceover so maybe you and Jer- Jordan should get together <laughs> and so that was the start of the podcast. Larry kicked us off, and uh, on show number three, we had Mr. Brett Johns join us. Brett. Wow, three? Yep, show number three. And Brett, Brett started off, uh, he was just starting his career as a sound designer and basically was coming on the show to see if he could find some work. <laughs> you know, that's true. <laughs> And uh, so he came on and he was just starting and you were, were you still waiting tables at that time and doing sound design or were you? Were yeah, you why does everyone have to bring up the waiting tables thing? Is that so bad? <laughs> I mean, seriously, is the Beverly Hills Hotel, it's the Four Seasons. Yeah. I mean, you know, it wasn't like bad waiting tables. No, it wasn't. No, I'm it just. It wasn't Coco's or Denny's. <laughs> I'm saying you were, you were in the middle of the, you know, transferring to full time. Anyhow, well, since then sure. he's, he's, uh, he's blown up and he's gotten, <clears throat> he has sonic shepherd and he has some amazing uh sound libraries that you guys need to check out and he's done really well and been the head sound guy and when marvel universe was live and things like that does some amazing stuff great sounds so anyway um he came on on show number three um show number five no actually he came on show number five show number three our first outside guest was actually and i i actually invited him but he's shooting was morgan neville he was our first outside guest and he's the director i've mixed you know i mixed like 15 shows for him but he directed um 50 feet from stardom and won an academy award for that but he also did uh won't you be my neighbor um he did the uh mr rogers documentary that did really well um and he's just he's just blown up. He's he's gone on and done some amazing things. He came on on show number three. Brett came on on show number five. So um, you know we've had a really great history and with with these guys. And the originals were um, Martin and Bobby and Rob and Scott. And then we were joined by Brandon shortly after that. And then along the way we picked up um, Bobby Osinski. And then he was one of the early first pickups and then uh, Nick Peck and uh, and then we you know we had um, Bill Burgess and Forrest Robinson we've had several other people come in and out but you know the core has pretty much stayed together so that's been really kind of great um, so I want to open it up to you guys uh, first of all uh, a couple things and then uh, and we are hey Greg it's good to see you buddy we got yeah. Greg was one of our first uh, software people to come on and talk about all things uh, Steinberg, and he's still at Steinberg. Actually, I was just watching your Nuendo uh, video, Greg. (laughs) So we'll have to talk about that. Like in 15 years, come on, why can't we knock off Pro Tools? (laughs) 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 Um, But I'm going to open this up uh, because this is kind of funny. This is there's a story here, but do you guys, the panel members, first of all, do you remember the first time somebody? 
said, hey, I heard you on a podcast. Um, anybody, anybody remember the first time that happened? Because I remember the first time it happened for me. It was at a, it was at a uh, NAMM show. And the very first time someone came up to me, I was like, wow, people are actually listening to the podcast. <laughs> uh, but uh, I just want to know, like, if you guys, Scott or Rob or any, when did you realize or did you realize that anybody was actually listening to what we were saying? I think for me, actually, the first time was when Thomas Went, who was one of our early guests, who's, uh, you know, he's been involved with a lot of great audio companies and he's an old friend of the podcast and of us personally. I didn't realize he was listening in Germany. And I think that's what shocked me the most. We were at a NAM show or something. And he said, oh, yeah, I've been following the podcast. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anyone was. But he was not only following it, but he had people in Germany who were listening. And we had this whole following over there that I didn't know about. So, yeah, that was at a NAM show. And that was pretty cool. Yeah, we actually had a, I would still do have a big German following, which surprised me. Um, I remember one of my favorite uh, stories is when I was with, Larry, remember at a NAMM show? I don't know if you remember the NAMM show, but Larry, we were at a NAMM show and they were talking about someone came in and, and said, hey, I heard you on the podcast and you were like right next to us. And I'm thinking, that is so good to have that happen next to the sponsor of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a real eye-opener. <laughs> uh, uh, but my favorite story and is and the gentleman happens to be here tonight is when I first met Jordan, this is like a really great story. Uh, Jordan, you remember the first time we met? Oh yeah, I can't remember which <laughs> can't remember which Nam, but I it, I think it was the Nam that I popped my cherry. So so uh, you were there for that moment, Mike. That's very <laughs> special to me. But I, I don't know how much you want me to share. Just just when I came yeah, up tell to you, the story. You share it or <laughs> no? You t- you share. It. All right, so I mean, I, I'm a voice actor primarily, but I, I I got into audio because you have to have a home studio. I built my career in Colorado. So anyways, I was nerding out in audio um, and audio nowcast way back when I had my day job working in IT while trying to build my voiceover career part-time while nerding out on the audio side of things. One of those audio things was the audio nowcast and I listened to it for a bunch of years um, just driving to and from work. And so I got really familiar with all your voices, Scott and Mike and uh, Brandon work and, and Nick and and Bobby and all, all the regulars. And so... As a voice actor, you really pay attention to people's voices, and all of you guys have very unique voices. So years pass by. I haven't listened to the podcast in a long time. Uh, no good excuse. I guess I'm an asshole. I don't know how I got invited <laughs> on the show. But uh, anyways, I'm at NAM. my first NAM. I just moved to LA in 2017 from Colorado. I'm like, got stars in my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, it's like Disneyland, but better, you know. And I'm just walking around, and NAM is loud as hell. And, you know, you can't hear anything. You can't discern anything. It's chaos, but I'm walking and I hear this voice within enough proximity for my ears to pick up. And I'm like, I know that voice. That's a very unique voice. Who is that? I'm like, it's not a celebrity, but it's, I've heard that voice. And I just like kept gravitating. And I'm like, and I kept panning and I'm like, audio now, that's Mike Rodriguez. Cause he has, I mean, Mike's voice is super unique. Like who has a voice like Mike? It's amazing. (laughs) So I'm like, it's like, I literally heard his voice. I didn't see him. I heard him at Nam. Out of all of the big Nam space, I hear his voice, and I'm like, "Let me." I'm gonna. Go. I was all nervous too, and so I'm like, "Hey, you don't know who the hell I am, but I have listened to probably at least a hundred episodes or more in my car, and you guys have taught me so much about audio, and 
I just moved to LA and I just want to shake your hand and say thanks for the great podcast. So the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. That was actually really kind of fun and scary all at the same time because I realized, well, people are listening to this thing still. And he had a look in his eyes that was kind of like, uh, is this is he like kind of one of those crazy fans or or? <laughs> but I guess it was more like, oh my god, people are listening. So I I think I misinterpreted his face <laughs> exactly. But the great thing was is uh, you know obviously since we have eight listeners and we found out that Jordan was number one, uh, we, <laughs> I got we got his contact. Especially once I found out what he did it was voiceover, and you know we've had a great friendship since we run in at Nam shows. But also he's been on our our podcast, and we did a uh, last year um, we did a a voiceover roundtable special that he kind of helped um, gather all the people. And that was really fun. And he's really good. And you should look him up on, uh, on uh, social media because he does some seminars and he does a lot of really great things and he, and he does some really good stuff. See, that's just it. You get associated with this podcast and your career is going to thrive. Dude, I know all four <laughs> listeners are going to buy my course and I'm going to be rich. <laughs> but Thanks, yeah, Mike. So that was, that was a really, that was a, that was fun. And it's great as we start listening. And then now I, I go to the, the trade shows in AES and, and usually people just read that they, they don't recognize the voice, but they can read the, uh, the badge. And, and I've met uh, quite a few people. And actually we have quite a few listeners that have been there since since the beginning which amazes me because i still get messages from them and stuff and it's it's pretty cool anyway we're gonna look back at 2006 and uh i want to tell you guys a few things that was around it 2006 uh when we started our podcast our social media page of choice was myspace how many people had MySpace pages? <laughs> yeah, MySpace. Um, the podcast actually started in 2006. Apple started listing podcasts um, on iTunes in June of 2005. So we were kind of one of the early adopters that we kind of hopped down the whole Apple thing. And that's where we first, even though RSS feeds had been around since 2000, you know, it wasn't until Apple kind of jumped in. Um, and then when we got our RSS feed, we had someplace to, to paste it. We had to, you know, get it out. So MySpace was the only thing at that time. Although in 2006, Facebook kind of started and we got our page um, shortly after that. But, you know, in 2006, our social media was MySpace. In 2006, they still had record stores. You would still go to a record store and you would buy music, which to me was just, you know, that's one of those technologies that I absolutely miss just that experience from 2006 and i want to open it up to you guys if you think back can you guys think of anything from 2006 that you miss that is not around anymore anybody can weigh in on this anybody 2006 ipods iPod. that's a good one that's a great one but we still call it a podcast. I had to explain to my nine-year-old son why they call it a podcast the other day. <laughs> Random. No, that's actually, you know, there was something cool about an iPad, just just I mean, an iPod. There was something, <laughs> there, and just to have that music device. And when they had the little iPod minis and iPod macros and all those. Anyway, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of changes. In 2006, we were using Pro Tools 7. Pro Tools 7 was the big Pro Tools in 2006. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but that was such a stable release, especially 7.1 and 7.2, right? I mean, those were just bulletproof. That was one of my favorite versions of, of Pro Tools up until Pro Tools 10, because 10 was a really another bulletproof one. Um, so we, uh, 
we've grown a lot and we've seen technology come in and out. And, and I want to ask you guys, um, and I'm going to open this up. If you think back to 2006, um, do you guys have any technologies that, that you've kind of uh, has surprised you on how it's evolved since then? how it's evolved since 2006, whether it's DAWs or plugins or anything like that. Anybody have any? Cables. Cables? Yes. We're, we're getting to the point where everything is going to be networked and we're not going to have anything other than mic cables. That's that. true. Especially network cables, because everything is being networked together, and so you're going to lose a lot of that functionality of that giant patch bay. Oh my gosh, patch bays! When those when those go away, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Hey, Larry, is it from a console manufacturer? Um, cables, patch bays, is it good if they go away, or is it? Uh, I don't know. How do you feel about that? You're muted. Uh, they're good. still useful at this point. So I'm, consoles still get patch base. So uh, uh, you, uh, you, they obviously it's advantageous to move your audio, patch your audio around in a console. Um, it's a little hard to do with an Ethernet cable. So I think they're going to be here for a while. I guess it's still the best way to send audio, but you're right. I think what's happening in the background with digital is going to be, it's only going to expand. So yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see. Anybody else have any any technology that's kind of blown up from uh, 2006? Yeah, I'll say I think um, virtual instruments. Before they were always like, yeah, they were okay. They weren't all that great. And then over the last 15 plus years, I mean, now orchestras are amazing sounding. There's so many great, including now analog synth modeling. It's getting very interesting. So there's a lot of things that before they were convenient, but the quality was never up to snuff per se on a software-based instrument. And now, you know, I've got a couple racks of, of, of synths that haven't been turned on in a while. Um, and it is amazing how much it's gone virtual. I, th I think one of the big changes that's happened since then uh, that sort of affects everything in the digital world is people have gotten used to gigantic, amazing, affordable screens. Like right now, for somebody to have a 27-inch screen, they don't even notice it. Like it's not a big deal. Back then, if you had a screen like that, it was probably, you know, $30,000 and, you know, weighed as much as a Volkswagen and it was just this massive thing. And now that's just... Not the case anymore. And because so much is happening on computers, the screen is like the most important thing uh, to being able to see a lot going on and have it be pleasing to the eyes and all that. So I think that's, that's one of the things that's happened, you know, not just in the audio industry, but throughout the whole world that's really made a huge difference. Yeah. I, mean, I know I'm reaching out to what I'm into right now as well, but I will say there were plenty of sound libraries out of that time, but sound libraries now, I mean, the, the choices that you have and the degree of quality that you have, and you, you're able to go buy um, a, a library of a particular tank for, you know, a fraction of the cost that you would have been able to purchase those recordings uh, at that time. And only because we've opened up 
um, availability for everyone. So now those people, you know, they have such a, a bigger audience now because they're able to get to them through places like ASAP Effect or places that sell, you know, all of those libraries. So, you know, it's not true. It, it yeah. Is- one of the things that strikes me about libraries, though, is like back in those days, you had very limited memory and samplers, and yet somehow people managed to do amazing libraries. Now you'll get a library where it's like, you know, 100 gigabytes for a hi-hat. And yeah, you get a million different dynamics and all these other things, but I'm not sure the quality is always that much better. I think there was a certain necessity to make things great when you had limited uh, Compatible. Okay, can I just say then elephant libraries are much better than they were. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even exist. <laughs> but, you know, Brett, you bring up a good point in that I think really what's happened in 15 years is the level of entry into this, which is even what Rob was talking. 15 years ago, it was harder to get certain things published, certain things done. And now it's so much easier for people if you've got the interest and the want whether it's sound libraries to even online music, it's gotten so much easier. It has gotten so much easier. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not sure if I interrupted, but it has gotten so much easier and not just with sound libraries, but then when you're talking about music and everything that was going on with people being able to release their own records and so on and so forth independently, you've got this huge, uh, uh, this huge flow of people that are able to produce their work however there still is a very small stream of uh, to rob's point of of high quality uh, libraries you know so so you have to know where you're looking you may look on a sound effect and it can be completely overwhelming the number of choices that you have but then like where are the great ones you get that through your peers uh through your friends you're like oh wow that is a great library you know you get that again through your friends. You have to sift through the torrent of material that's out there again to Rob's point. Yeah. And let me just say that, you know, what you guys brought up, which is another thing I'm going to talk about is the entry into audio has never been lower than it is now. Like the technology has gotten to a point where you can do things on your iPad. You can do things on your computer. You can mix five one on your laptop. You can, you can do things that were just, not heard of, you know, 15 years ago, which is amazing. Like technology has gotten to the point where you can do, your creativity is allowed to come out. You know, a really good example of that is, uh, is my friend Dale, um, who was here at the very first podcast. Um, he was actually the camera guy. We recorded it on DV. <laughs> it was on DV. And Dale's a director. He directs movies. But, you know, camera technology and audio technology, right, Dale? Like a lot of the stuff that you're shooting with now and a lot of the technology now is just, it's almost like magic. It's so approachable, right? 6K for like like $2,000, you know, and allows you to do some pretty amazing things. And uh, and let's face it, budgets aren't going up. <laughs> They're only coming down, but the but the quality on the, on the low end is, is coming up. Um, is that right? Tell us a little bit about some of the technology that you work with and how approachable it is now that you're, you know, working on 6K and things like that. Well, I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Technology just has exploded. And, you know, I, I, it's just that there's so many people. And when you say everyone can kind of get into it, it's just so much competition. That's what I've learned and just recognized. It's just so many people are 
have home studios. Everyone has wonderful cameras. Everyone can create and produce and get stuff out there. So it's really um, guys like you guys have so much experience in the business and been around. It's like, it's just great to kind of sit in this room with all of you folks and kind of share in this sort of anniversary because I'm not a sound guy, but, but yeah, just to see all technology just, just explode. Uh, yeah, everyone's just doing it, and I just see it just so competitive, you know, um, from libraries so to, <laughs> you know, to all of that. Like, I haven't seen a lot of elef- heard a lot of elephant um, libraries, and that's a pretty damn good one, though. By the way, I, <laughs> I think we might have, you know, borrowed a track or two <laughs> on a project, but oh no, we yeah, did. I've uh, mixed yeah. some stuff for Dale, and I absolutely use some of his library sounds. And I'll say one thing about the technology, which actually showed its head, I believe. Uh, during COVID and that was I'm speaking for post-production when all of the giant post-production stages had to be shut down and all the work had to stop all the mixers started building mix stages at their houses and all of a sudden work continued so I mean I've been doing an 800 track mix in my house and it's just as powerful as anything I would do on a stage for a major network. Wow. I mean, this is all, now all of a sudden, just climb out of bed, fall forward, and you're in the studio. And, <laughs> and then, so, you know. 800 tracks, is that like left foot track, right foot track, left foot no, track? No, you know, when, you, when you're doing action, <laughs> no, you're I doing multi-channel, <laughs> yeah. but it's great. I mean, and automation, everything is available. Uh, that's so good. You know. Hey, Mark, were you going to say something? So I was going to say, so much of what we're talking about is really the result of Moore's law, doubling of transistors every two years. And um, I I remember, I think it was probably around 2006, maybe it was earlier, when people would come into my studio, and I had a hard drive the size of a half of a shoebox, and I would proudly point at it. I paid, I think, $1,300 for it, and I go, that drive is a gigabyte. A whole gigabyte, you know, it's, um, but, um, you know, to follow what, what Brett had said about um, choosing from a wide variety of, of sources from an educator's point of view, it's interesting because I think that people learn differently um, because now they can, they can load something on a computer, you know, Pro Tools, whatever, and they have an almost infinite variety of great choices. And, and it's a, the creative process is a different process, choosing from, you know, which of these samples or which of these plugins or and you know and you can have unlimited tracks and so the learning process is very different because it, if you are starting out you have to develop the discipline and the taste to winnow it down um, and it's the opposite of, of how you know I learned when I got into this in the early 1920s where uh, you started you know where you started with I mean we started my studio in 1980 with four tracks and you know trying to get the most out of four tracks really forces you to be creative and then when you get one compressor it's the most amazing thing and you exhaust all the possibilities of that it's a sort of a, a building up process as opposed to a, a a winnowing down process and i, I just want to say i can't wait to, until the elephant library's next record comes out they that's one of my favorite <laughs> <laughs> well i think there's something um that people have talked about a lot about you know artistry requires limitation hey it's nick like, you're, you're super low off mic it sounds like i will change that this is audio magic in progress. That's right. It's rare when Nick is quiet. 
I think you is that is that better? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I just wanted to riff very quickly on what Mark said, and then bring it back uh, in another direction for a moment, which is to say that um, uh, artistry requires limitation. If you have an infinite sandbox, then how do you manage to garner the energy in any one place to be able to create something that's focused and distilled and crystalline, and that's you know a, a good reflection of what it is that your personality is or the message that you're that you're trying to create at that moment. Um, and so, to some degree, it's a challenge to have every last you know, ice cream flavor in the box because then it makes it impossible for you to make a hot fudge sundae or something. Um, the, the thing that I wanted to say about 2006, and Scott, keep me honest here, maybe you know, I'm trying to remember whether I owned my sound devices in 2006 or whether I was still recording to DAT because I have box after box of DATs that I'm looking at that I have to... Uh, eventually digitize whichever of them still will even in fact read before I throw them all in the garbage. But um, to go back to what, to what uh, Brett was saying very briefly, part of the problem with the noise to signal ratio that we have on the internet is the fact that, um, uh, that you can buy a Roland R08 for $200 or a Zoom H4 for you know $200. There's all of these field recorders, even just to, to winnow it down to that kind of technology, that you can carry around with you that are almost disposable. And so, of course, it becomes really easy to be able to record anything that you want in the world. It doesn't require the same level of uh, the, the same level of discipline, the same level of learning, the same level of purchasing really expensive mics um, and learning very well how to use them. And the result of that is, as you just said, you know, Brett, a very high noise to, to signal ratio out there. But the, the beauty of that is that I, it levels the playing field. So that everyone, you know, it's, it's a very democratizing process. So anyone can record almost anywhere, on almost any device. I mean, actually, the microphone in an iPhone isn't terrible, right? Um, and so maybe that puts more value on the thing that's most important, which is creativity yep. and, uh, and innovation. And, and uh, you know, so hopefully we, all of this, we will see people making records and podcasts and movies and everything. Uh, that might not otherwise have access that will find their voice and and, uh, and and be heard in that way they don't have to you know you don't have to go through a, a major label you don't have to go through a, a network necessarily it's so true and that's what's kind of evolving right now with um, with music and if you look back 15 years what as a band or as an act what your goals were to today I mean Bobby you know that's pretty much your whole music 3.0 kind of tells that whole story of 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 music and and getting out there and making money how has you know how has it changed and has the change been for you know the better or have you seen some negatives in that whole change of of trying to make money and marketing yourself and all of that Wow, can of worms there. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'm one of the, the people that I don't believe that the old days are better necessarily because everything changes and everything evolves. The business is as hard as it ever was and it's as easy as it ever was. It's just different. And, you know, from 2005 or 2006 to now, yeah, I mean, it's different the way you go about everything, the way you go about marketing, the way you go about making music. There's fewer bands, and bands are out of style, so to speak. And, you know, we have the solo artist, and let's face it, 
we'd all be doing that instead of, you know, starting in bands, you know, if we started today, because it's just easier and it's more acceptable. So, uh, you know, it's just, you have to roll with it. That's all I can say. You know, Bobby, that's why you're a genius because you pretty much tell it like it is. You don't romanticize. And, and I, I can't agree with you, you know, anymore because it's, it's so true. Not all old is good and, and it doesn't necessarily get better. It's like, it's, it's still just as tough to break in, you know, and to, to do it. You have different tools, but it's still different. This is tough. Hey, Larry, let me ask you on, on going back at like, you know, high-end audio and, and gear-wise. If you go back to 2006, you know, how has things, you're very analog and you're very, it's all analog. And yet your API is very progressive with, with what they put out and the different products that they put out. Um, what kind of changes, do you guys have a change in mentality? Are you thinking of things differently? Obviously with a product like the box, that's a total different, you know, mindset that you wouldn't have had, you know, years ago and just kind of, keep it relevant with what's happening today? Well, in our particular case, you know, the technology, the, the, the core of quality of audio uh, has remained the same. It's changes in the way that we provide those tools for those who are creative to express their creativity and, and, and record it in a format, whatever that format is, whether it's you know tape or a computer these days. Um, but I think the the our core goal is to preserve the quality of the audio that that comes from creatives uh, and make the tools that they use applicable to the way that we record today. <laughs> we, yeah. we haven't changed much as far as you know the gain stage in a mic right. for example um but you change the you know number of auxes or the number of buses or how many outputs you have or if you have surround or, or things like that you know what's amazing about analog especially with high-end analog is as consumers get better gear to listen to music high-end analog becomes way more relevant, you know, because now you can hear a difference between a cheap mic pre and a really great mic pre, and you can hear a difference between a cheap compressor and a really good compressor, much like you can hear the difference between, you know, uh, uh, different uh, plugins and different things like that. So, yeah, and that's the one thing about APIs, you guys have, you know, I know you've told the story where, you know, when digital came in, you, you know, you didn't know how, how that was going to fit with, with API, right? You were just mm. like, all right, a friend or foe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the early days, we thought maybe we were doomed. Um, but uh, thankfully, there was a little pushback. Uh, yeah. And I think also uh, someone else mentioned it, uh, that, you know, the technology that's available to man on the street nowadays is so much better that people, I think people are more acutely aware of quality than they were just a few years ago. Uh, because, you know, your, your iPods are very much higher quality than the little earbuds you had just a few years ago. But Larry, let me ask you this. You know, it used to be when I first started coming out to LA in the industry, all the consoles were million dollar plus. And to get that special sound when recording you just it was the the entry point was out of everybody's reach but now with 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 modules analog modules and mic pre's 
and those things that get to capture a handful of, of channels within that console are now becoming readily available to everyone. So now, while we have the storage system kind of has evolved, still the, you, the artistry of the artist, whether it's singing or playing an instrument, and then capturing that initial warmth, the sound, the detail, and that it's a beautiful marriage, I think, between analog and digital. Yeah, I agree, and I think maybe Mark, you were saying uh, that the, you know the the differences are in people's creativity and the way they apply the technology uh, to their particular art. Well, I think one thing that's really evolved over the last fifteen years is just like for new users, it's just their expectations of what should be and how it should be. You know, they just assume that every dog can just do this. And if it doesn't do this now, it will just do it in the next update because it's kind of a, a thing that's constantly evolving itself. But the expectations are so much higher. It's like, you know, why can't I just have it sing and, you know, change the key and have the vocal just generate harmonies in the key? That's how <laughs> it should be, right? You know, so as people have been doing recording for a long time, we could appreciate all the technology advances. But I think for the end users starting off, they just expect it to be that way. You know, that's so great. I was going to go to you, Greg, because being, uh, you know, from Steinberg and you've been there forever. And I know Nuendo right now, Nuendo came out in 2000 and in 2006, it was probably around what version four or something like that. Anyway. Um, yeah. I could only imagine now the user is spoiled. Like they are super spoiled. If, if some other DAW has a feature, I bet you just get lit up. Like, why can't we do that? Is that going to happen? Is that going to happen in the next feature? Right. I mean, they're just, they are so spoiled. Don't you think? Yeah. But it's, it's their prerogative to be right. No, I know good or bad, but it's like, but you know, it's just, and that's how the products, you know, people expect it to change. And, you know, like we have to, our developers have to go through, you know, magic hoops every year to come out with new, new and exciting things and try to solve problems that customers don't realize that they have yet or realize right. that, okay, you know, there's going to be a problem, you know, at, cer- at a certain point when, okay, every orca, you know, every composer wants to have 3000 orchestral sample tracks playing back at once, <laughs> you know, how do you accommodate and build the framework for that years before it's possible? And it's so true. Hey, look, I think one of the biggest innovations in software that affects us on the post and music side is the tonal separation of audio. For for you to be able to separate, you know, and Melodyne came out with when the very first time where you could play a chord and then separate the notes of the chord, like that is just like black magic. And yet that's the kind of technology that led to having such great, um, you know, noise reduction and like RX and things like that. Yeah, And we do it with spectral layers too. Yeah, exactly. People assume it's like, Oh, why can't you just take the vocal out? It's like, well, this is like taking the eggs out of a cake (laughs) after it's been baked. Uh, You know, this is like real, you know, be really impressed or I should just do that. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like, here's this magic that we're going to show you. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. But it should do that, you know. Uh, you know I'm going to throw shade just for a minute and say the difference between Cubase and uh, some other DAWs is when Cubase gets the feature, it doesn't crash. 
That's all. <laughs> hey, I mean, come on, let's talk about that. Pro Tools, it's still the king of the hill right now. Like, how amazing is that? It's almost as amazing as the fact that Guitar Center is still around, <laughs> you know? It's like, well, that was close. Exactly. But like, Guitar Center is still around and Pro Tools is still around. And to be honest, Pro Tools, they do a great job. I just, you know, I opened up my little, I put together my little 5.1 system for some projects coming down and it just, it just came down the pipe. Not that Nuendo isn't far behind because I've been, uh, you know, I've been doing some testing. Um, you know, Greg, let me uh, try out Nuendo and it's, it has its wonderful parts about it, especially with Atmos now, you know, baked into it, which is, which is amazing. But like, I mean, how many people thought, Pro Tools was going to be as big as it still is. Like we, it seems like forever we were looking for the next big thing, the next thing that's going to knock it off, the next thing that's not going to knock, and it hasn't. It hasn't been knocked off. It's still, it's still the king of the hill. It's still the king of the, uh, of the broadcast production, you know. And music, you know, there's a lot more options, but definitely for broadcast and film, you know, it's still, still the king of the hill. Hey, so we look back and everything, but I want to talk to Christy because Christy. Is, is now part of, of the future. She's now part moving forward. And she is the senior mixer. We had her guest on the podcast just a few podcasts ago for All Elite Wrestling. And um, Christy, you know, seeing all these tools, you know, you guys put together your, your studio um, when you first started at that new place that you're at, right? And, and how was it like putting that together and how have you embraced all the technologies that are available to you today well thankfully i mean like starting out there was like they pretty much were like okay here's um maybe eight grand figure it out and i was like that covers an s3 i'll make the rest work so um (laughs) (laughs) but um actually the monitors in my studio are the ones that were in the old nowcast um studio (laughs) Like my computer monitors are the cinematic monitors that were in Burbank. So, um, so thanks for that. But um, yeah, basically like um, what, um, sorry, what Nick was saying earlier about how, um, you know, you kind of have to have limitations on things and like, if something works, it works. And like for what I'm doing pretty much, I knew I just needed RX. Like I needed pro tools. I needed the waves broadcast bundle. And that was like, cool. I can make, I can make a show out of that. So um, kind of figuring out what works first and then like coming into this, like I didn't know much about post until like 2014, I think is whenever I met you and um, started working in post more. And that's kind of when, you know, getting like exposed to certain things like that, you know, I wouldn't have known about before. Like there's this awesome noise reduction plugin called uh, Bruce Free. I'm probably saying it wrong, um, but it's, how do you say it? I think that's right. Oh, great. Yay. Um, Like that's 65 bucks. Like pretty much anybody can use that. And it does, I think it works almost, almost as well as like RX-7, it was like definitely definitely worked as well rx8 would now it's like "Mm, i'm not sure now (laughs) but yeah i mean like getting everything together as far as the like our little tiny tiny little room um now i have a second room actually we just built last week so um which is super fun how many how many shows have you done how many shows do you do 
Uh, um, we do, we're 52 weeks a year. So we're every single week. Um, but now in the pandemic, we do every other show is taped. So I basically take the show and make it sound like there's a live audience there, which wouldn't you believe <laughs> takes a long time to make that happen. See. So that's yeah. incredible. That's incredible. You know, that it's gotten to the point where, you know, that's a major network show that gets done. How long does it take you to, to mix, a, to put a show together? So uh, it's a pretty, well, it's a quick flip in our like world, at least. So Friday it gets edited. Thursday night they shoot it. Friday it comes back on the plane. They ISO it Friday. They drop it for me Friday night. Saturday morning I go in and it takes 15 hours. And it has to be done uh, like by Sunday morning. So every other Saturday is spent <laughs> in a chair. And I love it. <laughs> That's, That's so good. It's almost to the, almost to the, like, to the minute. It's always 15 hours. That's, that's incredible. See, and I'm so proud of you. I remember, just so you know, <laughs> she was my intern uh, over at the other place that I used to be at. And I remember the first day she walked in, she just had such a great attitude and a great spirit that she was mixing promos that first week. I had her sit down and uh, she was mixing promos that went on the air, um, which let me just tell you, if you're out there, and I know a lot of students listen to us, no matter how technology goes, no matter how fast things change, nothing beats having a really great attitude and just get ready to work. And just because that's, that's, that's the most important thing. It's not the technology, it's, it's your attitude and, and what you know. And, uh, and there's some really great, um, really great you know, options for students out there, you know, whether it's interning or programs like, well, Larry, API has a program for engineers, right? Don't you have a, a student program? Well, we, uh, we have a scholarship program. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And is that for, for engineers or for musicians or what is that? that it's, program? It's, it's for engineers, uh, people that are, that are engineering and producing music um, and, People submit a, a, a selection to us on an annual basis, and uh, they have they have to be enrolled at a school that teaches audio and a school that has an API console in it, uh, which thankfully there's plenty of. Um, <laughs> but uh, we we sit around and, and grade the submissions and uh, issue a few scholarships to uh, to up and coming students. Now, did- it's, it's coming up. The deadline is the, the first week of May, or, or actually, yeah, first week of May is the deadline for applications. Oh, so there's still Art. time. <laughs> uh, well, it's 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 amazing how how things have changed, and it's been great. And um, the really good thing about the podcast is the fact that you know we all get together and we all get to talk about about audio. And and I think if the one thing that's been consistent with our podcast is that we've always given out some really good advice, but at the same time, I've always gotten some really good advice from, from all these guys and from everybody. And so that's been really cool. And so that's why one of the things that I, I want to put out there is a really big change that from days gone by is the fact that you have a lot more information that you can tap into nowadays. Nowadays, it's super easy to find whatever you need 
at pretty much any time you need it. Now, I'm not just talking about the internet with like, you know, putting arrows, but I'm talking about like getting really good uh, weekly mixing tips or daily mixing tips or subscribing to a, a blog like Bobby's and getting um, industry insider information. There's just so much great information out there. At the same time, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a ton of noise. There's, there's you know, over a hundred, I think it was 115,000 podcasts in English uh, as like a year ago when I was looking at this. Now there's probably even more because it seems like everybody has a podcast. Like everybody has. I'm starting, I'm starting mine next week. So <laughs> and, and that's not bad. Some of our, our I, I recommend, you know, like uh, I like Bobby Osinski's podcast. Bobby does some really great interviews and, and he's, he, his is, a, I would totally encourage people to, to look up Bobby's and, and Bobby, what motivated you to start your podcast when you did? Well, yeah, I was just going to chime in on that. Actually, it's a res- direct result of Audio Nowcast because there was a listener that contacted me and said, you should have your own podcast. And I said, eh, I don't have enough time. And he said, well, look, I teach people how to do podcasts. And if you just do the interviews, I will do all the post-production. And that's what happened for the first uh, 95 episodes or so. And then he came back at me and said, you know, I got a new job and I don't have time do this anymore and it actually worked out better now i do all the posts myself but frankly i was able to bring the audio expertise that i have you know my my background which he didn't have so i think the quality went up a little bit as a result but again if it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for audio nowcast well so do you think the new evolution of the podcast are new companies like Clubhouse and stuff like that where you go on, it's audio only, it's live, and you could listen to something that's relevant to the, your interests? I think, I think two things about Clubhouse. I think it's, it's definitely um, going to shake like things that. up. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely going to shake things up because it, it's, it's actually a little bit, in some ways, better than a podcast because you can have um, – interaction with with the guests and how things um how uh how things change uh so fast and you can you know you don't have to wait for the feed to go up and people can ask questions and things like that and you can control it um so that's that's actually makes it really good the way it's not like a podcast is the fact that you can like for instance the audio nowcast you can listen to it on your on your schedule. So you don't have to, you're not tied to the moment. Whereas on Clubhouse, you're tied to the moment. And I think that's going to be the, um, we're going to see if, how people are willing to do that since you can't record and there's no, there's no archive of the club of the conversation. It's going to be really interesting to see that because sometimes people don't like to be tied into certain things. And that's why certain technologies never really took off. You know, for instance, you know, having to be in a specific spot to listen to um, the uh, you know, HD audio and things like that. You know, it's great. If you heard it, it's amazing, but the fact that you have to be in that spot, that's, you know, it, it just didn't do itself any favors. You know, you, it's not like you can have it on in the garage. So I, I think it has the possibility. We're going to be doing some stuff on Clubhouse. Um, like I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, but, uh, but it's still not quite like a, like a podcast. 
See, it almost I'm, feel like it's becoming radio. And yeah, I've seen a thing on television. There's five other companies, including Facebook, that are all going in the same direction of audio. Think of it as live re- interactive radio. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a spot for that. And, and I think it's, it's going to be, it's entertaining. I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I'm on Clubhouse and I look at, my, I have this one friend and I swear he's listening to everything that's out there. Because every time I look at the Clubhouse, <laughs> I look, it's like, oh, so-and-so is now in this one. And it's, to, to be honest, let me just tell you a, a negative about, about Clubhouse. If you have your, if you follow people and they follow you, they can tell which Clubhouse room you're in. So if you're in like single dating for today or surviving the pandemic as a single person or broken hearts club, tell us your story. <laughs> you know, I, I go, Oh, I'm sorry. He got his heart broken. <laughs> you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just kind of fun. Contrarian about this. I just find it to be complete boring drivel. You know I, what? You're not the only one. I put the loser. Thank you, Bobby. I cannot get past five minutes of it. It's the noise to signal ratio. It's the same thing I was talking about earlier, where yeah. if it's not something that's focused, um, how is it going to be good? Well, you know what? Also, the whole marketing idea that the conversation can't be recorded. Yeah, that's true, unless you hold up a second phone and just record it. No, I, that I understand. But I will just say the other companies that are now falling into line with what Clubhouse started doing, they're all going to end up doing it better. Um, and so, I mean, it's just a glorified conference call. That's really what it is. Yeah. But the way you get overly spammed with messages, and if you say you're interested in something, you end up getting messaged about a million other things you're not. I just think there's a lot that still has to be figured out. I think, I, I, I agree. There's definitely a lot of noise out there, but I think it's, it's, it's going to work itself out. I think that as a, as a platform, that live broadcast, I think that's, that's going to stick around. But I agree, Bobby, there is definitely a lot of noise out there and uh, you could, you know, you sign on and, and some of them aren't as structured as other ones. So, so when we do our 30 year anniversary, we can <laughs> see who was right about Clubhouse. That's right. Okay. Then I w- I'm going to go on record and say right now that Clubhouse or Clubhouse like things are actually going to do very, very well. It's just that you're going to have to, like uh, Nick was talking about the signal-to-noise ratio, there are people on Clubhouse that run a room where they don't have someone that comes in and says, you know, where they're like, um, I tried a different microphone <laughs> with the dun dun dun. Like, what, there are people that are on top of it and run a great room that um, w- when people are getting off point, when they come up on stage, they're like, you know, we don't have time for that right now. We're, we're doing this right now. Keep it focused, keep it on point. And there's a lot for people to learn in those rooms. Uh, I mean, Clubhouse now, maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, other people are going to take it to another level and do it better than Clubhouse is doing right now. I'm not saying that. And I'm just speaking to the... 15 years from now podcast. Um, <laughs> but I really do think there is a lot that they offer uh, on Clubhouse that you can learn about, whether it be audio, NFTs, uh, anything that you're interested in, uh, trading stock options, whatever it is, there's a lot of free information up there and people that are really good at what they do and just handing that out. 
for their exposure. I mean, but unlike podcasts, it really comes down, Brent, that the ability and you asking Mike what's changed, the ability to communicate and distribute communication information. Yeah. So if Rob wants to find advanced programming, and really at a super high level. There is solutions for so many of these things. If you want to become experts, now the colleges are all going online, people being able to communicate. I mean, today I shot ADR, edited it, put it into the mix, sitting at my house, yeah, you know, working with the actors, everything happening. I haven't left this chair since eight in the morning, which is not <laughs> a good thing, but you know, go figure. Well. Uh, I think you're right. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of this kind of, kind of works itself out. Look, we're, we're going to be wrapping this up. Um, but before we go, I need, I need to just go down one, one quick Avenue. I want to talk to Mitchie because he came from, where did he, he came from back East and he sent me an email and said he liked our podcast and I invited him and he was looking for a gig and he was trying to figure out how to make it in audio. And he ended up, um, well, like most really super talented people, you know, you, you scored a really great gig. What are you doing right now? I actually haven't talked to you in such a long time. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, I, at the moment hit the tech department for a composer here in town uh, for a company named Sparks and Shadows. Uh, and I'm the guy that now uh, uses Greg's advice and builds gigantic Cubase templates. <laughs> <laughs> in surround uh yeah and that's what i do and you, tell us a little bit you came you moved from back east right you came uh well originally born and raised in germany right. then moved uh, to to the states uh, for school met my wife there and then moved to new jersey uh started a little music production company there and uh, once it was clear that new jersey was new jersey we uh moved to uh, LA and the audio outcast was instrumental in, you know, getting us that courage and, uh, you know, asking the right questions. And, you know, Mike, you helped me get my feet on the ground here. Quite well, literally. Well, it was my pleasure. And like I said, once again, uh, he, just like Christy, you know, they came in, they had such a great fire. I cannot tell you how important that is to have that drive and that desire. Like you can catch up on the technology, but you can't, you can't teach that, that you can't teach that thing that just motivates you just to, just to keep going and to constantly learn and things like that. So anyway, well, Hey, listen, gang, uh, before we go, I want to um, open it up and ask anybody if they are working on anything that they want to talk about um, super quick. Anybody have anything they can talk about? Like in 15 years, has anyone ever had anything they could talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I saw a hand go up. I think we do have a volunteer. Uh, all right. David, David. Hey, you know, I wanted to actually address the, the previous question because what I see happening in the last 15 years, uh, and people have talked about uh, democratizing all of the tools and, and uh, technology, and what it's done for me as an educator, it's changed my focus from teaching university and professionals how to do sound design to teaching everybody with a cell phone and a YouTube distribution how to do it. And it's changed me from doing it with lectures and books to making games. And that's the way that I'm now disseminating the knowledge is, is through a totally different medium to a totally different demographic. So in that sense, a lot has changed. That's, that's amazing. Anybody else want to plug anything before we go? 
I know you guys are working on Jordan. I know you have your uh, your little webinars that you you're given, right? Oh God, yeah. So yeah, in short, during the pandemic, all the voice actors who didn't have home studios <laughs> figured out, which was most voice actors in LA. I <laughs> built mine in Colorado because I had to because there's no studios in Colorado. Or, you know, so I already had that ready. But all when I moved to LA, I discovered LA is its own little bubble. And voice actors started freaking out. And they're like, how do I home studio? And so I started helping people because I happen to also have the audio side things down very well, build their very specific voiceover home studios to where it sounds really, really good. And I just couldn't keep up. It's good problems, but I also have a voiceover career. So I made a course, my first ever course. And, you know, uh, speaking of educating, I've always gotten good feedback from webinars and stuff I've done. And I... So I uh, I decided to like do the stupid route where it's like, oh, do a mini course. Just do like one little topic. I'm like, no, I have to teach everything. And so it's like, it's everything about noise floors and compression and DSing. And, and if you're, cause they're doing it, voice actors are doing it, but a lot of them are doing it wrong. And it sounds terrible. <laughs> um, and I also try to, and I teach prevention first. Like you don't have to use this stuff if you get it right at the source. So anyways, I almost died uh, making a course, <laughs> not literally, but staying up till 4 a.m. for the past two months. Um, my wife doesn't know what I look like anymore. And uh, <laughs> But it's called the Audio Ninja Masterclass, and it's just a pre-recorded course for, it's honestly for anyone who wants like podcasters and content creators, it's how to make your home studio recorded spoken word voice audio sound killer and it's really i i you know i'm a I, i'm a voice actor so i make it really fun it's i have characters and i make it really entertaining and engaging so audio ninja masterclass.com is since you're pushing me to plug there you no, go absolutely <laughs> no because you're because you're such a nerd too and in, in the best yeah. possible way so it's like <laughs> no, you know that you have the personality but you you know the tech and then i want to i get to plug once again brett johns's stuff sonic oh, shepherd wow. No, he has some really great libraries. I mean, the, you know, tell him the name of your libraries because they're always great. Is that true? I don't know if that's necessarily true, uh, but I have Elephants in the Room. I've got uh, Why I Otter, which is very angry otter saying Why I Otter. Um, come on, no chuckles in the whole room? Come on. Laughing on me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, I've got Just Do This as kind of like Let's Do This, which are F-35s, uh, Thunderbirds, uh, Hornets. Um, I mean, some, some, some great jets that you hear on the water um, where uh, Mr. Brandon Burnside was right there by my side, right next, there he is right there, uh, recording this. And uh, it's a unique perspective because you were right there as they were circling us. So instead of getting a buy of a jet, you're following a jet that is actually circling the boat. So you're, you're getting something that is not just one quick thing. You're getting something that feels like a steady when you, know, you, you check out the, the recording. And then, of course, uh, the latest one, is a dragster library called Working Gas Heroes. All right, thank you. Uh, <laughs> All right, so check, check out the Sonic Shepherd stuff because it's, it's recorded so well. And let me tell you, his metadata is just flawless. So it works really great in whatever um, database you use to look at your, your sound effects. And also, UCS. <laughs> well, and as long as we're talking sound effects library, you know, Brandon has secret weapon sounds. He has his stuff for trailers. He's gotten them placed in some big trailers. He's been doing this for years, way back from uh, Terminator 
Terminator. What was the first one? Salvation? Is that the one we worked on the, together? Did that little thing? Yeah, we did that that uh, Nine Inch Nails remix on yeah, that one. So, and his stuff, and that's Secret Weapon Sound, right? That's your... That's correct, yeah. Yeah, and his stuff is just phenomenal. It's just really great. Scott? Mike, I will say one thing that, that actually has uh, been part of lately. It's actually kind of cool, especially for the listeners. So um, I just joined a, a group called EATMA. And it's, I think it's Entertainment Industry Professionals Mentoring Program. And what's amazing is not only in audio, but acting, directing, cinematography. Uh, we're on these amazing Zoom calls, and it's amazing the big Hollywood talent that's involved. So what we're doing is we're now looking how we can reach out to young people, to colleges, to people wanting to get in. And uh, we've been doing speed mentoring. I did one uh, last weekend. Um, and you get 15 minutes with whatever they want to say. And, and it's amazing to see some of the talent, some of the directors, some of the cinematographers. And we'll get on, there'll be 30 of us, 40 of us. And then we'll have like 100 people online. And um, it's an amazing thing. I think it's the industry wanting to give back. That's great. Um, and it's a wonderful organization. It's starting to, we're now reaching out to all the colleges and the unions, and we're just trying to find ways that will give access to people who never had, were able to get access to some of the best talent in, in Hollywood. That's, that's amazing. Well, you that's say great. Name that again? It's EIPMA. I think it's E-I-P-M-A. I think it's Entertainment Industry Professionals Mentoring Association. Alliance. Alliance. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, man. That's awesome. Great. I just want to point out a few things. Uh, follow, if you, have, if you don't follow Bobby Osinski stuff, Bobby Osinski's blog, bobbyosinski.com, and also his podcast, I want you to follow that. Also, uh, Greg Ondo is with us now, but he's going to be coming back on another podcast, and we're going to talk all things Steinberg. Uh, we're going to be talking about Nuendo, Cubase, things like that. Um, we're talking about you know, Cubase, why it sounds so great, Nuendo, things, you know, there's, there's, I'm doing a deep dive right now, Greg, so I'll be calling you too. But uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun. Um, and then I also want to mention Mark, uh, Mark Rubel, who's the director of Blackbird Academy. Um, you cannot find a better place to go to school. If you're thinking of a school to go to, man, that place is amazing. And I brought Mark on because he was been on the podcast, but I've also, he's going to be on a, that Blackbird Academy is going to be an episode of Spaces that's coming up. And uh, he uh, has just such a great, I mean, you're, you're at Blackbird Studios and you're, you're learning this stuff and like, you know, Kings of Leon can be in the next studio over. It's truly a unique place. And uh, how's, how's the, uh, do you have any openings for like summer or fall or? Yeah, no, September is full, but uh, <laughs> we're still taking, we, we have small classes, the maximum size is 23 people. And we really, uh, we actually turned down more people than we accept. We, what, what I like to say about schools, we only take the people who can't be talked out of it. <laughs> well, there you go. And then also I want to, you know, Larry with API, they, they're hitting it. They've been strong. Um, you know, they always have really great stuff. Um, and uh, you, Larry, the, the uh, I can't think of what just came out the, this past, um, this past year. I know you had the, uh, the Mike Pre, right? The, the, the 50th Mike Pre. Yeah, the 312 yep. version. But what what's most recent is the, the 2500 plus stereo bus compressor. That's right. 
It's, That's uh, right. It's, uh, it's off the charts at the moment, which is great. Oh, oh my gosh, the twenty five hundred. Talk about a, a an iconic piece of gear that just came out during this whole podcast. Like the twenty five hundred just separated itself from the pack right off the bat with with the punchiness and the sound, and it's just amazing. All right. And and as opposed to talking about things I have coming up, I do want to say uh, I'm glad to see Christy here, uh, but I hope at some point in the future we see more women in this this group, and I'm just going to give a little shout-out to uh, Emily Lazar and her her, uh, uh, her new program, which is called We Are Moving the Needle, which incentivizes and uh, encourages women in audio. That's great. I have to say one thing very briefly, which is that my new hire, my new dialogue editor, who I am very proud to say is a woman, uh, starts with me at Disney on Monday. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Well, I got to give a shout I got to give a shout out. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give a shout out to someone who was really instrumental in getting spaces off the ground. And that was Bliss McGinnis. Uh, And she did an amazing job and we got that up and running. And literally, if you listen to the podcast, like in the first year I wanted to do it and, and I just, I couldn't. And several people came in and out and, and it wasn't until Bliss came by and we were working at the same place at the same time. And it's like, boop, let's do it. And we ended up doing some really great things. And, and so uh, I got to give a shout out to her. She really helped launch that, that whole series. And speaking of um, spaces, um, we were supposed to have a two hour episode that was going to be released uh, before Christmas. And I watched the two hour episode. And let me tell you, it felt like a two hour episode. <laughs> I was basically going to try to put all the stuff we shot into one episode. And I had to leave out so much. And I was like, you know what? Nope. So by the time we drop this, we're going to be dropping our new shorter episodes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mega, mega, mega episode it. I'm just going to, keep cutting the small ones and we're just going to keep doing it the way it is. So uh, that's, that's what's going to happen. Although the, it's going to have a new look about it. It's basically, it's going to be coming up. So when this show drops shortly afterwards, we're going to be dropping um, the new spaces stuff, but Hey, listen, um, before we go, I just wanted to, I wanted to thank everybody that, you know, that's here because you've all made uh, an impact on the audio now cast these past 15 years in one way or the other, whether a success story or a friend of the podcast or just coming in. And, you know, let me just say that during the pandemic, when we started podcasting a year ago, um, it was one of the few things that really helped keep me going because it was some scary times, you know, and I think we succeed as a podcast because of a few things. Number one, we're a bunch of friends. We all really like each other, you know? And what's amazing is we have these same conversations that go on just as long after we stop recording. You know, this is something that we would do. And and during the pandemic, it was just a really great way to kind of support each other and kind of see how everybody was doing. And especially at the beginning, man, at the beginning when it was so scary because you didn't know what was going on, it was great to have the 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 lifeline that we have here. I think another reason why we've kind of lasted this long is, is we evolve, you know, everybody, no one's stuck in, in, you know, 20 years ago, everybody's willing to keep moving forward. Um, And we all work in the industry, which is really great. And the best thing I've heard a compliment from, from one of our listeners is they, they 
like the fact that they just get to listen in on conversations uh, from professionals, you know, talking about the industry. And it's so rare for people to be able to, you know, listen to a Scott, talk to a Nick, talk to a Rob, you know, it's, it's all just different things. And, you know, when we've had Diego on and we've had all these people that have been part of the podcast and they're all professionals. Um, and then, Last but not least, there's just a tremendous amount of caring for each other. Like everybody, you know, really cares about each other. And when my father passed away, I, I can't tell you how many amazing um, messages and, and just support from all you guys, you know, when, when he passed, because that was really difficult and it was really great. So I just got to thank all of you, everybody here who's here tonight. Y'all played a great part. And I don't know if you have any, any, anything to, to, to drink, if you have water or whatever, but I want to do a toast. We got to do a toast, everybody. Ooh. <laughs> all right. So here's to 15 years of Audio Nowcasts, and uh, everybody that's here, cheers to all of you. Cheers. 15 years. Cheers. This is vodka. <laughs> okay. Last thing before, I, before we end this, um, we've just finished 15 years, so I have a huge announcement to make. After 15 years of podcasting, we are moving on to season two starting with our next podcast. <laughs> Every show we've done so far, you know, has always been season one because I didn't know when to break it up. <laughs> so we've had the world's longest season one. <laughs> so now on iTunes, on Spotify, on iHeartRadio, where we are all listed, not this podcast, but the next podcast, you will now see season two coming up. Great. <laughs> Great. Right. Right. Good for you, Mike. We're all grown up now. <laughs> all right. Well, if you want to reach us, you could reach us at audio at nowcastnetwork.com, audio at nowcastnetwork.com. If you want to get a message to any of the guys that are here tonight, you can you know, reach me through that. I'll make sure they get it. Um, but thank you, everybody, for, for showing up. And um, from myself and all the guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. We love Joanne. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Audio Nowcast sponsored by API and Wireworld Pro Audio. The Audio Nowcast is hosted by Mike Rodriguez and features a panel with Rob Arbitier, Bobby Osinski, Scott Gershon, Nick Peck, Diego Stucco, Brandon Birdside, Martin Page, Bobby Summerfield, and maybe a guest or two. We'll see you next time.